You're listening to Well Connected with Ricky and Fletch, where you'll hear from business professionals all over the country who have found their success through networking. Join us as we explore the path to success and what it takes to overcome adversity together. Okay, welcome to the Well Connected podcast with Ricky and Fletch. Today, we are here with the great Stephanie Levine of Neo Home Loans. Stephanie specializes in mortgages, specifically divorced mortgages, and she's here to talk to us about what she does and how it is that she meets new people. Stephanie, thanks so much for being here with us today. We're so happy to have you. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here, and I'm not sure what I got myself into by accepting this, but I'm excited (laughs) to be here and share my story. We're stoked to have you, for sure. Yeah, you are somebody that I think is a great networker and great at meeting people. And I'm excited for you to be able to share it with our audience. And we're, we're we kick off our show with a cup. We each, Sean and I each have a fun little icebreaker question that we ask people. And so I want to know what is the most recent app that you've downloaded on your phone? <laughs> Like, do I have to be the person that selects it and downloads it? Or what if my kids did it? Oh, man, I didn't even count. I didn't even count on a loophole on that one. I I mean, this is this is this is your time to shine here with this answer. So however, however you want to take it. So to be honest, last week, I downloaded a new app and it was called TikTok. Man, that is a, that's a way that people are meeting people and being out there viral on TikTok. Look at you. I mean, I haven't finished setting up the account yet, but if that's where the generation and people that I want to talk to are, then I'm going to put myself out there and figure out how to be there with them. I love it. I, love I don't know it. about always you. willing to do stuff. <laughs> I don't know about you, Fletch, but I don't know that I'm young enough for TikTok. You know, I'm I'm young enough to scroll on TikTok. That's that's about where I've gotten to so far. Um, hours and hours of scrolling on TikTok. It's it's probably my favorite, you know, doom scrolling type of uh, app. If I'm honest, if you also notice, like I'm big on Instagram, but if you notice, like the things you're liking and sharing, most of the time it's originating from TikTok. So why not go to the source? Why are you this middleman and staying there? Like go deeper to the source of the funnel. I yeah. love how intentional you are. And we're, I, I want to get to that, all that stuff, but we do need another icebreaker. We've got to hit you okay. from both sides here. <laughs> and this one, I thought about you specifically for, um, but I'll I'll see if uh, if my thoughts, what I had in my brain for you here is is what you'll say. But so if let's imagine for a moment that you are an Olympic athlete. Mm. What is your sport? Swimming. Nice. I kind of, I kind of figured. I, I was, I think, I, I knew you're a diver back in the day, and I, yeah. I, you know, but uh, that's awesome. Swimming I was on swim team since I was seven years old, all the way through high school. I was my city champ growing up in backstroke and the individual medley. I was always in the pool, morning and night. We had practice. I loved it. That is so, so awesome. Some might say you're a Stephanie Phelps instead of Levine. I mean, when Phelps was swimming, oh, so fun to watch. Like, it's amazing. Yes. So so are you a Katie Ledecky fan also? Yes. Yes. Who I isn't, right? I guess who isn't? My, my 11-year-old daughter wants to be on a swim team. And I don't know that I'm quite ready to take a, that commitment on in my life. It's a big commitment. <laughs> it's... Yeah, it's funny. Like, my dad gives me a hard time for not going to Stanford College because that's where all my cousins went. But he also got all my cousins Stanford sweatsuits for their bar mitzvahs. Well, I didn't have one, so I didn't get one. So I didn't get to go to Stanford and have the opportunity to swim and go to the Olympics. But my story might have been different if I had my bar mitzvah with a Stanford sweatsuit. Who knows? Oh, that's good. That is good stuff. <laughs> well, I think that's a good that that's a good little highlight of why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are, where you come from, and uh, what you do? 
who am I? That's a really deep question. But essentially, I moved to Portland in 2016. So what's that? Seven years ago. And when I moved here, I had a corporate job that I had for 17 years. I put blood, sweat, and tears in it. I started as an office assistant. And when I left, I was the executive director of operations. So when I moved to Portland, they said they would help me transition. And when I got here, my job was back in Santa Monica, California. And they said, if I want to keep my job, I should stay in Santa Monica. And I should said that would be really good information to know before I moved my entire family to Portland, bought a house sight unseen. I had um, an 18 month old. I had pregnant with my second baby and we were about to get married and my corporate job and all my financing was taken away from me. So when I moved to Portland, I didn't know anybody. My degrees in real estate and finance. My mom was a real estate growing real estate agent growing up. And I always thought I'd go into real estate, but once you start riding a corporate ladder, it's so hard to go from a cushy salaried job with vacation and benefits to 100% commission. And now I had a family relying on me. So when I moved here, I went on some job interviews and I had an offer for half of what I was making. I expect some pay cut, right? Cost of living, it's different in LA than in Portland, but not half. Like I'm not motivated to do that same work in middle management. It's a lot of stress. It's a lot of work. And I just, I couldn't do it. So my mom's like, go be a mortgage broker. And I was like, what? That doesn't sound fun. And (laughs) here I am. (laughs) Essentially, (laughs) I went and met with the lady that helped me buy my house. And she really excited me to get in the industry. I just started networking and reaching out to people in the banking industry and starting learning more. And I put my head down, got my license. And here I am seven years later doing mortgages. Wow. That's my story in a nutshell. That's a, that's an intense story. And, and you're, you've come out on the other side of it as a rock star. I mean, you sit down with people learning, um, learning about their finances, their fears, their, um, their situation. And I wish I would have met somebody like me earlier in life, because I tell you when people, when I sit down with people and I start learning about them, they ask really important questions. It's not about the mortgage. It's not like, is it eligible or not? But what is a smart decision? And when I started sitting down with people, I was like, I don't know what a smart decision is. That's a great question. I don't know that. I never thought of it that way. And I would take the time and go do the research and run analysis and talk to people who were much smarter than me that understood how money worked. And so I really dedicated my career to understanding how money works. How do people make a smart plan? How do you create a safety net? Because when I went from a salary, bought my first house, and now I'm 100% commission, I also ended up having to sell my house because I put too much money in my house. And so in order to keep that runway going to build a book of business, Like you don't want to go into bankruptcy or financial debt yourself. So how do you create that safe and long-term plan? And as sad as it was, and as much as it hurt my ego to sell my house, that was how I was able to continue my career path. And I want to help people avoid that. I love that. That's passion. I applaud you. And I am always so just inspired and proud to know other people who start something from scratch in outside sales that doesn't know anybody else. And one of the reasons, Fletch and I know you a little bit. And so one of the reasons I know that I was so excited for you to come is because I do know that you moved here from a place from California to a place here in Portland that you don't know anyone And then you went to be a mortgage broker, which is a commission only job. And to start a book, to start that is a grind, man, just like what I do in insurance. That is so that was something that I thought 
you clearly know how to connect with people and meet people and go out and network. And that is an amazing story. It's not easy, especially for somebody that's an introvert and you don't know anybody in the area. So it's like, what do you do? Like, how do you find, and to show up authentically yourself, right? Like I'm not a BSer. I don't know how to show up and just put the smile on and be nice to people if I don't care about them, right? So how do you find that way to connect with people and meet people and expand your network in ways that resonate with you? And that's really what I spend all my time doing. Because <laughs> that's, that's not, awesome, like right? it's not just like a one-time thing, right? It's a continual way of life. Well, you said something really important there, I think, that we need to touch on for a second is, is you said as an introvert, so yourself admitted introvert, which I think a lot of people can relate to in many ways, or at least there's an anxiety there to, to do that. So, I mean, I would love to hear kind of your, your thoughts of, you know, how you've gotten over that or how you manage it. Right. Or what does that, what does that look like for you? Cause I think that's a super important piece there. So I would say I'm in the middle, right? You put me in a room of accountants and I'm probably the most social person in the room, but you put me in a room of salespeople and I'm the quietest person in the room. So for me, the way that I, when I first moved to Portland, I went to every single networking event, organization, thing I could find. I would sign up, I would go. And you go to these rooms and everyone's there to meet people, but everyone looks like they're having a fun time or drinking too much and at the time, I was also pregnant. So drinking and partying, I was just older than most people in the room. But every time I would go to a room, I had a plan. I knew I needed to meet five people. I knew I needed to shake their hand, understood one or two things about them. And then I would go find the next person. The second I would leave the event after I met my five people, I would sit in the car, send them each a thank you email and ask for a follow-up meeting. And I would do that over and over and over again. Did Now, when you went into these rooms, was there a certain person or type of person that you were kind of seeking out to meet? I mean, I was told to meet real estate agents. But also, if you think about it, a real estate agent that's at these events has usually only been licensed a year or two. They're not going to have the book of business that I want um, to work with. So... I was connecting with real estate agents, financial advisors, but honestly, I wanted to connect with people who were good connectors. So regardless of what their profession is, somebody who was well-connected is who I was really looking for. So I would establish questions that we could relate on, but also understand like, who else do they know? How long have they been in Portland? How deep are their connections here? And what are common interests and likes that I can really get into like do they like hiking do they like do they have kids like where in portland were they living and i would try and find ways to connect in that way well and we'll we'll send you your dollar after this because uh you, you brought up the, <laughs> the actual title of our podcast so thank you <laughs> you are welcome but also you mentioned kind of a, a lot of things you're finding out about them and I think that's, you know, that that really resonated with me, which with what you just said, whereas is you're finding out what they're doing, where they're at, where they're going, who they're meeting, all these things, that doesn't sound like business, right? That doesn't sound like a, a business conversation. Um, could you dive in a little bit more about that? Because I think that's, I mean, that's a, being relational is so, so powerful. And it's not just a sales pitch, right? So because I have a ba- operations background and being my first couple years in the business, you don't know enough about the business to like, well, let me take that back. Nobody gives two kicks about mortgages unless they actually need one. So me walking in there trying to sell them on a product or ask them if they know a buyer isn't going to get me anywhere. Like that doesn't feel good to me. Like when I meet somebody and they want to pitch me their insurance product and why I should send my clients to them. Cool. Thanks. Like people send business to people they have a habit of connecting with, a habit of like thinking about that person. And the way you do that is you help them create a habit 
by continually reaching out, by thinking of them, sending them articles, by thinking of them and meeting up with them and connecting with them on their way. That's how you create a habit. So when the client does come or my resources are needed, that's when you become top of mind with someone. That's awesome. That's so important to know. It's, I mean, it's it's kind of sales 101 in the modern world, but at the same time, it's it's I think people get uh, lose track of that, right? It's like really knowing people, really getting to know people is so powerful. Well, well, that and I think I I mean I've experienced this, and I'm I think most people have is that coming into these networking groups, and you know you have to meet people. You're so attached to the outcome of I need to have five solid connections when I leave here for me, that it's hard to take a step back, detach from that, those expectations, and just meet people as a person instead of coming out and, hey, I'm a mortgage broker and I have the best rates and all over them, right? And just, I mean, I think that that's all, even experienced people, that's hard to do when you're trying to go out and meet new people. I mean, of course, I want to share with them and tell them all the reasons I'm amazing at things and like why I'm better than some other people. But I mean, that's not, that doesn't resonate with me. And actually, anybody in those networking groups, how much do they really care about me? All they really want to do is talk about themselves. And so when you show that interest to them, you're helping lift them up, right? It's not about what you tell people. It's how you make people feel. And when you genuinely show that interest in people, that's what gets them excited to connect with you a second time or a third time. And I think that's important to focus on. Do you feel that it all came, you know, it all came naturally, right? Like I, I you, we just talked about two different things here. Whereas you, you had this goal, right? You mentioned you had a goal to meet five people, two, one to two things. And you're emailing, like you had a system in place, which is awesome. Like uh, not many people have systems, um, but I feel like successful people have systems, but at the same time, you are able to go on the other side of that and disconnect and make that conversation about them. Right. So it's it, it's this balance. And did, did that was that something you just innately knew? Is that something you learned about? I mean, I would I would love to hear your thoughts I on that. Eventually, like learned about it um, and did it more consciously. I think when I started, I was just so uncomfortable. I didn't want to talk about myself. I didn't know enough about mortgages to like vomit all over them. So I think in that respect, it I'm not a BSer. So any way to not talk about mortgages also resonated with me. I I know how to talk to people. I've had friendships, right? And known people over time. So I think it just more came a little bit of both. It started out naturally and then became intentional. It's also, so during my networking, I went to every organization and like learned about so many different things. I eventually came across this organization called BNI. Maybe you've heard of it. <laughs> and should we should we pause real quick and put a disclaimer? So this is not an official BNI podcast, <laughs> although the three of us know each other because we are together in a BNI chapter. And I was hoping you we were I was going to transition to this. Thank you, Stephanie. BNI is one type of networking group among many that you can choose as your way to network. So I just want to throw that out before we get too started here. Go ahead. Sorry. So B and I, I went to my first meeting. I was hooked. I was like, there's a system. It's not like this open networking where you just stand there awkwardly and don't really want to talk to anybody, but you're forced to. Like there was a system and everybody had their moment to talk. And it just like lit a fire in me when I saw the energy in the room and how it all operated. And I was hooked. But my seat as a mortgage professional, it's one seat per profession so that there's no competition in a chapter. And my seat's never opened. And then BNI called me and said, oh, there's a seat open in this forming chapter. So I showed up. My husband at the time was working in restaurants at a breakfast place. So he was gone early. I had two kids at home. And daycares didn't open until like 
8 or 9 a.m. So I couldn't drop off my kids. But their meetings were 7 a.m. every single day. I broke my back in arranging and dealing with the family to get there for six or seven meetings while I applied for this seat. They ended up giving it to someone else. Oh. <laughs> I later called the guy who got the seat. We had coffee. We're great friends. It's fine. Everything happens for a reason. But I told myself I can either keep going through this process or start my own chapter. There so I started is. my own chapter. And so going back to this networking, when I'm going out now to these networking events, now I have something else to talk to people about, how I can help them grow their business. I can show more interest in asking, how do they grow their business? How do they get referrals? Where have they seen success? Where are you spending your marketing money? And like learn more about their business. And then I would connect with them and invite them to the BNI chapter. And that's how we form the chapter. So let's so so this is really exciting for me because just this the idea that you tried to join a network that while you were trying to join it was already showing you that you didn't fit just based on the schedule alone. Yeah. Because and I feel this, I have two kids, and as an insurance agent. I need to be more available later in the day for my clients and prospects. Nobody wants to talk to me that early in the morning. And my wife can be flexible with her job. So I get my kids ready and take them to school in the morning. And she picks them up and does the afternoon so I can end my day whenever. And that means BNI or any other networking group that starts before 9 a.m. because I can't drop my kids off until 8.30 at school. I just am not available. So the fact that you took that and went and started your own networking group, mm -hmm. I think is awesome. And I really want to talk about what that process was like and what you went through doing that, because I've been Googling networking groups to go and visit and branch out. You know, my experience in BNI is my first real networking formal networking experience. And not that I have any interest in leaving or doing anything just to see what else is out there and meet more people. And I got to tell you, it is really hard these days and probably due some to the post-COVID era to find networking groups that I feel like is a fit for me to even go and visit. And so I'm not in looking to start one, but for our listeners who may be in the same boat of maybe they have a job and a BNI seat is taken and all the chapters they want to join or they don't have a favorable time, walk us through this. What was that like? It's actually how I got my first handful of deals too in business. So I would be calling bookkeepers, CPAs, like people in my um, professional contact sphere that I didn't know really well, right? Because I was also new to Portland. And I would be calling a bookkeeper and I was like, do you want to come join me for my B&I meeting? I would say networking meeting. I didn't want to label it, but... She's like, no, but you're a mortgage broker. Oh my goodness. I need help. I've been looking for someone. And that's how I got my first few deals because people, I was calling to help them grow their business and find more business. And they're like, I don't care about your networking group. I need help with this mortgage. So it started giving me energy to want to pick up the phone more, find more people that I could talk to and invite them to something that was beneficial for them. And it started just getting me, I'm still friends with some of those people who have said no to B&I, but they've gotten to know me over the years and just, they'll send me some professionals. They're like, hey, this professional is looking for help. Can you help them? And then you start to be that connector and that hub for people to call. It's great. I will say growing the chapter, you need to find companions that are like willing to like do it together. It's hard to do it alone. So you find somebody with similar energy and motivation to you, and then that doubles, right? For every person you're talking to, they're also talking, and then it just multiplies faster. I think that's an important piece, right? Like you don't need to do this alone, but you need to find like-minded people to support and do it together. Because you're going to hear no, just like in any sales job, any business, you're going to hear no a lot more often than yes. 
and just keeping the mindset of every no is one step closer to the next yes. Well, I feel like you made more motivation for yourself. Like that's what I'm you like, you were already under this gun of like needing, you know, that's a terrible way to say it, but like under the you know, under pressure to create this, you know, this business, this career, this, you know, replace this amazing job you had. And then you you did that through adding more to it, which is, you know, to kind of giving to, you know, giving to the community and things like that. What I found really quickly is like people in sales, they're either doing it part-time trying to leave a full-time job or they're a hundred percent in and motivated and are smart enough to like figure out how to piece it together. There's plenty of opportunity for anybody in any profession, but it's like, how are you going to show up? What work are you going to put in? Do you track it? How effective are you? And you have to learn from your mistakes so that you can get better. I, I really like the theme so far of tracking and systems. You know, like the saying, what gets measured gets done, right? How many, how many people go and try and network and this and, and meet people and there's not a system behind it or they're not intentional about, hey, I want, I'm bringing home five business cards that I can whether it's in my car, outside of the event, or when I get home or the next morning on my computer, reach back out to connect with, you know, it's not intentional that way. They go and meet people and then there's very little follow-up. I had it in my head, like if I'm spending a night away from my family, like that's my happy place, right? At home on the couch with my sweatpants and a bowl of popcorn and watching a movie or playing Super Mario Brothers, right? Like that's my happy place. So if I'm intentionally taking a night off away from my family and then I go to these events and just have a couple of drinks and then go home and nothing, of course, nothing's going to come of it, right? But like if you, so if I'm just wasting my time, why am I even doing it? I'm not doing this for the social aspect. And there is a social piece that becomes fun and enjoyable when you find people that you enjoy being with, but you're not doing this for the social aspect. So don't treat it like a social hangout, right? Like there needs to be intention behind it. And I, the intentionality is the important piece and it's the follow-up because how many, and then even following up on your follow-up email. So if they don't respond, because how many of those people respond? Maybe you learn that that's not the person that you want to connect with. That's fine. But like, if you think that's a person you want to connect with, like have a follow-up plan, send them, mail them a news article, mail them a book, send an email, a thank you card. So, you know, I, I know a lot of people like to network because they don't like to quote unquote prospect, cold call, but that's what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Even with networking. You just said you were calling CPAs, accountants, realtors, whatever sphere of professions that feed mortgages, in a sense. Mm -hmm. You were cold calling those people in order to create a networking group and a group of people around you. And I, I, it's, I feel like a lot of salespeople are pressured to cold call clients or make, when you first get started, you know, you're, you are calling or you're out knocking on doors or whatever it is. And maybe I'm naive, but I, it seems to me and, and the people I know in, in sales, they're not focused in that way. Networking kind of gets put more on the back burner than calling people for quotes and deals. Would, would you, and even you, Fletch, I think, what do you guys, do you guys think that in the longer term, in the bigger picture, the long term of that effort, is it more fruitful to build that referral network than to just keep getting good on the phone, calling clients to get quotes or mortgages or whatever it is that you're trying to do? I mean, for me, ultimately, the referrals have been more fruitful over the years because um, they're more meaning meaningful. They're more intentional. I have better relationships. They're longer lasting than transactional. I mean, I've done a lot of, I mean, personally, I've done lots and lots and lots of transactional business over my 13 plus years in this business. Um, but 
anything that's been truly lasting and worthwhile and you know, stood the test of time, whether that's over, you know, a year or 10 years has been through some sort of networking, some sort of relationship building. So I think there's both sides to the business. I think people get sidetracked though, though, you know, chasing the dollar instead of chasing, you know, a, a more meaningful relationship. I feel like the cold calling and like if I had a list of phone numbers to call, that might get me a, a deal sooner. And it might be like a short term fix to getting cash in the bank. Because that becomes a numbers game. How many people do you need to call? And then you can just keep calling until you get a deal. And that is one strategy. I'm not the cheapest lender. So most people looking for the cheapest interest rate that's fine. Like you can call around and I'm sure you can always find something cheaper. That is not my value proposition to my clients. And the relationships that you build with people, it's the value proposition that I'm going to help you with this mortgage. I'm going to show you an effective way to do this to save you money over time. And then I'm going to help you manage that debt over time. So my whole business is built on that relationship of helping people be successful homeowners and learning to manage debt. Because most mortgage companies sell you debt and say, peace out, best of luck, right? And it's that relationship. So I can call as many people from a list. They don't care. that Those people do not care about that piece of the value proposition. So it's also understanding who your client is and the clients that you want to help. And then it's figuring out where are they? Because those clients that I do want to help, they're not on those lists. I love that. I love it. You know, and I it's just that mindset that's hard when especially when you're starting. Because referral relationships and networking happens later in the sales cycle than calling and getting a quick deal right now. But they're yes, <laughs> right? And it's um, I will say the referral. The close ratio on what you get from your referral partners, like those clients don't shop. They're not questioning what I have to offer. They're not worried about trusting me. Like because it's a warm referral from somebody in my network, they know me. They know how I show up. And those clients trust our conversation. They're looking to have their hand held. They're looking to receive advice. And it's just, it's a watering and taking care and nurturing your garden, right? Like it's not just going to the grocery store and getting the tomato. It's putting the soil down, watering the soil, planting the seed and watching it grow so that it becomes a tomato. And now you have many tomatoes year after year to eat every year versus just eating and going and picking it up one time. If you would, along these same lines, because you're talking about this, this growth, this this cycle of, of of growth, which is, I mean, I think everybody would love that, right? I think that's the goal for everybody, uh, whether they get sidetracked with transactional business or not, like everybody wants that. That's That's a beautiful picture, right? How have you utilized that, uh, that what you're talking about, your, your, culture, your, 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 you know, holding people, you know, bringing people together that all the things into over your career? Cause you started from zero, right? You're kind of a cool scenario, right? Some people I feel like jump into this and they already have a bunch of stuff and, you know, they, 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 they're rocking and rolling from get go, but you literally started in the business. You created a networking group. You started from zero. How has that looked? How has that track look? Has it been linear? Has it been a lot of up and down? Have you been, I mean, what, what does that look like for you? Cause you know, every business has troubles, right? Everybody goes through, you know, good things and bad times and, and all that kind of stuff. But how does that look for you? So when I started this career, it's really hard to go from a steady paycheck to a hundred percent commission. Like I understand like that anxiety, like the emotional connection to that and then my husband's like, what are you doing? This isn't what I signed up for. Like you were my sugar mama and now it's happening, right? Like it was a lot of pressure. So what I told myself is like, if I can double my business every year for the first five years, then I'm going to stick it out. If I can't make this work, like I need to have some type of measurements and goals because I can't 
keep living on our savings. We can't keep calling family for help. I, once you sell your house, I don't have a house to sell, right? Like, what does this look like? And like, how do you know that you really can keep going? So I told myself, even if, so my first year, I didn't close that many. I think I closed eight transactions, not a lot. I probably made like 30,000 that year, not a lot. So the next year, I ended up closing 10 transactions, but I made $60,000. So I doubled my income the next year. So my loan sizes were bigger, all those pieces. And so I continued to double my business for the first four years. And then my fifth year, I tripled my business. Part of that has to do with the market. (laughs) Not going to lie. Like there were changes in the market, but it's also people were calling me that I met my first two years and now they're doing a deal and a transaction. So it's like, it's also all these people that you're meeting over time. Like, what do you do with their cards and information? Do you just stick them in a box? Do you throw it away? Do you have a spreadsheet that you're entering them in? How do you keep in contact with these people? Are you I don't know. What do you, how, what, what do you do with those? I think that's what, that's the <laughs> million dollar question here. <laughs> I have a shoebox full of cards of people I don't want to call. And then I have a shoebox of people that like, I will enter in my CRM. I will befriend them on LinkedIn. I will befriend them on Instagram and Facebook, but it's also Like over time, you learn people that you want to connect with and be in their network. And there's some people that you don't want to be like, they don't resonate with you. That's okay. Right? Like why waste your energy there if you don't need it? Well, and that's that abundance mindset. There's, there's, you know, I being in insurance and starting in state at State Farm for me. I was told early, I got to dress the part. I got to have this fancy office. I have to wear I got to wear all but a suit to work every day. And anybody who knows me, that's just, I, that's not how I show up. I, I don't, I don't like suits. I, I mean, a fancy office is fine, but all that is, is just a, a, a memorial to your ego, to yourself, to the brand. That's not going to bring me more business. And what is, is being the expert and my clients knowing that I'm the one that cares. I'm the one that they can rely on that that's going to put them in the best position for them, right? And I just think that it's so important for people to not force themselves into others, whether it's a networking relationship or a business deal, just because you're trying to fit into who you're not authentically you. I think you've mentioned it earlier, Fletch, about being authentically you, because then you connect with people who appreciate you for who you are. If there's somebody who wants an insurance agent because they wear a suit and look like your stereotypical guy, there's plenty of those guys around town. Go call them. I, that's not who I am. But I'm the one that's going to show up when you call me and a car drove through the wall of your business. I'm the one that's going to make sure you're on top of the market and taking advantage of pricing and when to strike and how to do it. And I'll get off my high horse on this a little bit, but I, I like that you have a box of people that don't meet that criteria for you. And you know when to not force yourself into one of those relationships, because especially early on in networking, it's hard. You want to meet everybody. So you want to be, you feel like you need to be everything to everybody. I definitely had to learn from my mistakes. Like, don't get me wrong. Like I'm I'm probably (laughs) sitting here and painting a rosier picture than what it really is, right? Like I had to learn things the hard way. I had an agent that I was, here's a good example, because I was working with this agent. She was super nice to my face. We did all these things. I bent over backwards to get her clients in contract and went out of my way nights and weekends and Monday morning came and she took those clients and was like, well, if you can't do this, I'm taking them somewhere else. And after I got their contract accepted, we made the plan. I had been working with them. And then she's just like, nope, I don't need you. And she pushed me aside. And I quickly learned that there's a lot of people that use you just to get what they want. And they don't really care what they're going to damage along the way. And you just quickly learn, like there's people that you don't need to work with. And it wasn't, you can either sit there and feel sorry for yourself that you didn't get the deal or that they're really mean to you. You could go fight for the deal if that's what's important to you. But at the end of the day, that's not a person that I really would want to work with or associate my name with if that's how they treat people. like. I care about how people are treated, how the clients are treated, and everybody that's involved. 
And when people disrespect other people for their own material benefit, it's just, you learn quickly. So <laughs> not to shift too far off this, this, you know, the bad box, the boo box, we'll call it. <laughs> um, but I want to hear more. I, I want to hear more about the good box because depending on when people are listening to this, right? The market is shifting or has shifted a little bit, right? It's shifted. Uh, yeah. And, but, right, you've been through a lot in the last several years. You have this, this, the good box, right? And so you've created these relationships. You've got a, as far as we're concerned, the best, you know, networking group around. Um, but we've got, you've got all these relationships. You've got all these things, right? Um, I want to hear, like, I, I'm interested, right? I would love to hear your opinion on kind of how you're able to manage this shift in the market, how you're feeling, the comp, you know, it, compared to, right, six, seven years ago when you're just starting, you didn't have anything, like, you've built this, you've got systems in this place, you've got all these cool things. Like, I think that's what, you know, is the most interesting part about this whole thing is that you've, it's not transactional, right? And you've built this, you've got these, this, this something to leverage, right? In this time that now where there's a little bit of a shift and, you know, yeah. So I would say during this shift in the market, the, I forget the statistics, but I want to say like 40% of licensed mortgage loan originators are no longer licensed. The number of transactions that are available and out there is like a third less than what it has been the last three years. So when we talk about a shift in a market, like the number of business is just not out there. But also all these professionals are leaving because they can't withstand this downturn in the market. So I see that as opportunity. There's all these agents, all these other professionals that are feeling down about the market, bunch of Debbie Downers that are negative. And so it's, again, finding your resources and the people. So there's so much opportunity out there of all these agents who are pissed off at the market, pissed off at their lender. So there's this huge restructure of people's businesses and how they're growing their business. So the people that were doing the cold calling, those are probably the people that are not licensed right now, right? There's not enough people for them to call and hit their numbers. And so this is where it comes back to relationships because my relationships are growing and deepening with the ones that I had solidified. There are some agents that I lost over the last couple of years. To be honest, they became Debbie Downers. You would refer a client to them and they're like, I don't want buyers. I don't know how to get their offers accepted. Well, I don't want to send you a client that you don't have confidence that you can close the deal. Like that doesn't seem good to either. So it's kind of fun and being able to go out and talk to people and find agents who are excited about this market. They know how to navigate and pivot in it. And those are the people that I've been readjusting and trying to connect with so that now we're building a foundation when we're in this down market so that we're ready to go when the market turns. And That's the mindset I love. so much business. Winners are born in a hard market. Yeah. I love that. I love, I mean, that's why I kind of brought it back to that is because I truly appreciate that, that you can see the good through, because we all have pressures, right? We brought up TikTok at the beginning, right? How many TikTok videos are there about a down market and a bad market and a that negative this and a negative that, and the world is clump crumbling. But when you surround yourself with those people who are positive, can see through that, that fog, that mask, that whatever you want to call it. And see the positive, see the opportunity, you know, um, those are the people to surround yourself with, right? Especially starting out. But even now, like you put in that work to, to surround yourself with great people. Well, in a good market or a bad market, you can't build something strong alone. Yeah. No. I think like the hardest thing, I, I'm trying to focus on like partners and networking and not necessarily like mortgages specific, but like affordability is a real thing, right? Like when you look at your somebody's budget, people can are limited to what they can afford for their housing payment. So it's the agents and the lenders and getting really creative in how can we make this affordable? Because acquisition costs right now are lower than ever and payments are higher than ever. So how do we balance that out so that clients and people on the turn of this are going to be able to capitalize and benefit from their wealth portfolio to grow? 
I'm glad I'm glad that you kind of mentioned that because I, I want to make sure that we have room to kind of pivot into why you are special at what you do and not just a mortgage lender that you could just Google and say, oh, she sells mortgages. Okay. First one on Google. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But you are unique in the way that you are a mortgage lender. I know this, but our audience doesn't know this. And, you know, you specialize in divorces, which also is a time where people are kind of Debbie Downers. And that that probably isn't the right term, but they're not necessarily in the right, in the best mind place or mood. It could be a 50-50. I think some people are having divorce parties (laughs) and celebrating. And there's some people where it probably wasn't a good clean break. And there's a lot of animosity, right? Like I would say it's 50-50. So, so how did you get into divorces and, you know, how can people find you? So Really quick, I have so many certifications, but the ones that I focus most on, one is a certified liability advisor where I help people manage debt and I understand how debt works and nobody is helping people manage debt. Second, I'm a certified mortgage professional specialist, CMPS, and that helps me understand like investment properties, tax benefits, and different ways to structure mortgages for the tax benefit. Because there's a lot of different ways that you can structure things. It's maybe a thousand different ways. And most lenders only can take a loan application and tell you if you're eligible or not. And I take it a step further. And that's where the suitability comes in. And then two years ago, I got my certified divorce lending professional. And I've met a lot of people going through divorce. My parents are divorced. I come from a household of divorced families. I always remind my husband, I love you. I'm not planning to get a divorce. So I'm just going to do that plug really quick. But (laughs) it's not often that the woman is control of the finances. And I found in a lot of social Facebook groups, there were women going through a divorce. They wanted to approach their spouse at the time and file for divorce, but they didn't do it because they were too afraid of what their financial position would look like on the other side. So I started helping people before my certification. We'd look at the whole picture and we'd write a plan. Like what do they need to negotiate during the divorce? How could they structure this so that they benefit on the tax? Do you have to take the equity out of the house? Can they keep the house? Can they buy something close by? And we would run through these scenarios so that they knew what they needed to negotiate through the divorce so that when they're on the other side, they could keep the house. So they could find the house that met their needs. And the reward and like that 10 ton weight lifted off of somebody's shoulders because they had a clear plan, financial plan to get to the other side. I've just never seen that impact on somebody and seeing that and being able to help people through that was more rewarding than anything I've ever done. And I know what it's like watching my mom go through it and people don't have the tools and then they stay stuck in this miserable place because they feel like they have to. So finding ways to give clarity is my mission. That's powerful. That's powerful. And good for you. To see for seeing something out there that just wasn't really there and going after it. Like you've gone after so many things. Thank you. I mean, this is, I mean, your story, your whole story, everything we've talked about today is getting me all fired up. I mean, when things aren't there and working it for, for you, you just make it happen. And when you find a need in the market, you went and found the solution. And, you know, I think one of the, and that goes to part of why Fletch and I wanted to do this podcast. I mean, selfishly, we both want to be better at networking. So what better way than to interview people who we think are good at networking or know have are well connected. But we also found that there are loads of people out there that want to be good at networking and tell themselves I'm introverted, so I can't meet people or I don't know where to start or they Google networking groups and they're just not very many out there. And they but for and B and I maybe too structured or to this or that for them and other groups may not be enough and whatever, you know, so it's nice 
it's awesome to inspire and show how you have just made that happen so people can listen to your story and say, you know what? Yeah, I need to do this and I need a system and I can do that. So, you know, if somebody wants more advice, if somebody wants, you know, to dig a little deeper, how can people connect with you? You can connect with me on social media, Steph Loves Mortgages. Um, I'm not on TikTok yet, but Instagram, Facebook. You can also email me or call me. I'm always here to help. And we'll put your info, we'll put your info in the show notes. I would say my last piece of advice, if it makes you uncomfortable, do it. Oh man, I love it. That's so powerful. Well, one last question just yeah. before, you know, we uh, we let you go about your day. Uh, I'm sure you got lots of important places to go and people to meet. But uh, just in case, you know, you happen upon one of our listeners or one of them wants to reach out to you and, and ask you to coffee, what is Stephanie Levine's coffee order? <laughs> That's interesting. My coffee order. I try to find juice bars. And not fruit juice bars, but like vegetable, like with the kale and cucumber and ginger and lemon or beets and carrots. So don't ask Stephanie out to coffee. That's what we're, that's, that's what we're, that's what we're hearing. I drink my one cup in the morning and I'm done with coffee. (laughs) So what's your juice order? I mean, it depends on the juice bar, but I do like like the kale, cucumber, lemon, ginger, like the bitter. The greens. Yes. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for your time today. This was super valuable. I know I learned a lot. I'm sure that our audience has a lot they can take from this. And, you know, I, it's great to great to chat with you as always. Fletch, you have anything you want to you want to wrap up here? You know, I just want to thank you. Now, you know, just like Ricky did, but you know, man, you are kind of you're kind of, kind of that mama figure in our BNI chapter, and I'm just so grateful to have met you and uh, you know continue this this uh, this relationship that we've built and make it stronger and learn from you. I mean, you just dropped so much knowledge, uh, so we we are so grateful that you uh, agreed to come on this. So thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. Always a pleasure. Always. All right. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to Well Connected with Ricky and Fletch, the place for navigating business growth through networking. If you've learned even one thing from sharing the last hour with us, please share this with a friend or associate who also might appreciate it too. Only together can we become truly well connected. Join us each week to learn, grow, and network your way to new heights. heights.